0: have a love language. There's five different love languages. You'll see on the screen here, uh, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, all of us have uh, a particular dominant love language, but of course we receive love in all these different ways. But there is a dominant love language, and we're going to talk about today how you can determine what your child's love language is and how you can love them in that particular way. How many have an idea what their love language is out there? Okay, good. Excellent. This will be a refresher for you and how to apply it uh, to your children. Uh, But it's so important that we know uh, what their native love language is. And we're going to be exploring that as we continue in our parenting series. Uh, you'll look here at Gary Chapman's website. Gary Chapman is the one who popularized all this, uh, wrote a wonderful book about it. But as I got ready for this message, I found his website, and you can actually go on the website and you can click here to begin. It says there's a website, fivelovelanguages.com, and uh, you can take this really quick survey. I mean, it's like a no-brainer. You don't have to think very hard. It's about maybe 7 to 10 minutes at the most. You answer 30 preference uh, questions, and you can either fill it out for yourself or you fill it out for your child if your child is too young to fill it out uh, themselves and understand the questions. And then it will give you an email and tell you what your love languages might be. For example, here's the email that I got. And so uh, words of affirmation in the top left half and corner is very high there, 10. I knew that. But it's interesting. I hadn't thought much about acts of service. That's a 9. This is out 1 out of 12, all right? And then uh, quality times is 7. Physical touch is a 3. Now, this is in relationship uh, to my relationship with Lori. Uh, not that I don't like her to touch me. Uh, <laughs> again, it's just preferences here. Uh, receiving gifts is a 1. Okay, now... Please don't stop giving me gifts. If you're inclined to do so, I'm just talking about my wife. I don't really care about her giving me uh, gifts. Keep the gifts coming. All right. But this this is such a cool tool. You know how I love this stuff. But I mean, it's free, and and you could do this for your whole family and friends. You know, I would encourage you to do this today. To go home and have everybody do it. Just put your email in there. It will be sent to you, and it will create some great conversations in determining. What the native love language, especially of your children, uh, is, children are that is. Right. And why is this important? Well, in Romans twelve ten it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is what I call a refrigerator verse. This is the kind of verse you want on the fridge. Uh, you want to say, okay, guys, we have a competition going on in his family. Who can love the most? <laughs> We're going to outdo one another in showing love. And it's important to talk about love. Jesus Christ said love one another. But sometimes it's, it's nebulous. Well, how do I love a person? Well, that's what I want to do today is I want to unpack some different practical ways that you can love your kids. We you need to realize about each of us is that we have an emotional love tank within us that needs to be filled in order for us to be emotionally satisfied. And your kids have an emotional love tank, and your responsibility is to fill that tank. Now, with little kids, they've got a real small tank, so you got to fill it frequently, and it doesn't last very long. But, you know, they come up, you give them a hug, you know. Now, that will last about 10 minutes. They'll come back, and you say something encouraging to them, and Uh, With older kids, uh, it takes more time. It's more significant investment of, of sitting down or doing something for them. But it lasts a longer period of time. It fills their tank up even more. So our responsibility as parents is to love our children and to fill that emotional love tank. We're in the midst of a series entitled Parental Guidance. Last week, loving your kids. This week, developing your kids. Next week, disciplining your kids. And the final week is protecting your kids. And we have just had a wonderful weekend here at Springbrook. We had our parenting workshops on Friday night. We had Tom Beener come out. And Tom... uh, talked about elementary age parenting, and then Greg Speck was here yesterday, and he talked about parenting teenagers. About 100 people that came out. Some came to both events. Some came just to one event. Uh, Just some highlights. Uh, Tom, uh, you'll see in this slide, he talked about the personality styles of your kids. He had us do a survey in terms of figuring out how our kids are different. Then he talked about celebrating the differences of your kids And what I took away from that is different is not better. Sometimes we think uh, our kids are doing better maybe than another. Our kid is doing, one of our kids is doing better than another kid. But that's not the case. They're all different. We need to celebrate their differences. Here you see a picture of Tom uh, speaking uh, to uh, the people there on Friday night. And we had 80 people at that particular event, 80 adults and 87 kids, (laughs) okay, 87 kids and 80 adults, and I really appreciate Justin Searles, if you see him, thank him, because he did a lot of work this week in putting this together, Uh, he really uh, did a wonderful job, here's another picture of Tom, and uh, he brought a lot of energy uh, to parenting, teaching, Then we have uh, Greg Speck, Uh, parenting teenagers some of the highlights there how to communicate with your teen, how to handle conflict how to deal with dating friends and technology now Greg speaks all over the country he speaks all over the world and as I was uh, listening to him I said I just wish that more people were here and I know people had plans and things of that nature but I just wish that more people were there So what I did was I asked Greg if he could uh, keep some of his resources around uh, for one day. So you see them here. These are the different resources we have. And uh, we've discounted them a little bit with our Heart Strong resources, but I tell you, these are resources that I would encourage you to have. If you were not here, Uh, there's a DVD, and, and this is a presentation by Greg, an hour and a half presentation that you can watch, and preferably watch with your kids, and you can stop it and discuss different things. This in itself would be a wonderful experience of dialoguing with your preteens, your teens, about just how to get along. That's $10. Uh, This uh, is two hours of parental training for only $5. You can't beat that price. Uh, you can listen to it on the way to work. You can put it on your MP3 player. But he has got great counsel. This includes some of the material that he presented yesterday. We don't have any recordings from any of the events that happened over the weekend, but at least this gives you a good taste of it. And this book, this book is called Sex. It's worth waiting for, and it's written uh, for teenagers. It's the best book that I've come across that deals with how to have a biblically sexual uh, orientation uh, toward uh, this very important area of our lives. He tells you what the Bible says, and he communicates in such a way so the kids understand. So if you have a baby in the womb, pick this book up, because you are going to need it. And when you're in the midst of the teen years, you're going to forget that I ever said it. So pick it up today, put it on the shelf, loan it out as other people need it. But I tell you, this book is the best. And I'm not making any money off this stuff. I'm just really passionate about helping all of you in parenting. And for $25, you can pick up some great resources here, and we'll be sending them back so we won't have them next week. But it's right out there. I really encourage you to take advantage of that. But a great weekend. Thanks for all your help, and uh, you know, we look forward to hopefully doing some more things like that. Well, let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, that's always a challenge on a daily basis, is loving other people, getting beyond our own agenda and what we want to do. And this is what you want to do with your kids. But as you look to their own interests, as you look to your kids' interest you got to know how they receive love and therefore the love languages let's take a look the first love language is words of affirmation william james a great psychologist said our deepest human need is for appreciation is to be valued by other people in fact the word encouragement in the original language means to inspire courage and that's what our kids need today right to live in a godly way in this society, we need to inspire courage in them. Mark Twain said, I could live for two months on a good compliment. <laughs> he probably had that particular love language. I love in Matthew where it records the baptism of Jesus Christ when the Holy Spirit came down as a dove and God spoke. What did God say? Matthew three seventeen. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom... I am well pleased. interesting? That's the only time God audibly talks in the New Testament where a group of people hear Him. And what does He say? This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He doesn't say, hey, this is my Son. You better listen to Him. You better respect Him. You better treat Him right. No, what does He do? He encourages His Son, Jesus Christ the God-man. This is my beloved son. I love him so much and I am well pleased with him. Isn't that a beautiful model for us as parents in terms of how we need to speak into the lives of our kids? We need to be the number one cheerleader for our kids. The number one cheerleader. Even if our kids are difficult even when we don't feel like cheering (laughs) for them. We need to keep cheering them on because God has put us on this earth to believe in them, to help them to understand who they can be in Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You need to understand as a parent how important your role is in regards to helping build the self-image of your children. Cecil Osborne, a noted therapist, author, pastor, said, The young child has no clear picture of himself. He sees himself only in the mirror of his parents' evaluation of himself. He will act out what is expected of him. Think about that. You communicate to your child who they are, especially in those younger years. You communicate that to them. So the words that you speak to them are so very, very important. And the challenge that every parent has is that we have limited energy. Anybody tired from parenting today? Just raise your hand. Here. I'm just tired of being a parent today. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Whether it be young kids or older kids, maybe there's something going on this week or this weekend, and you're saying, oh, give me a break. Give me a rest. I need respite care <laughs> for my kids, right? And so when you're down on your energy, all you can do is... Correct your kids, right? To, I mean, it says to train your kids. We need to correct our kids. We need to say, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that to your brother or your sister. Uh, you should do this in school. Why didn't you do that? And and, and and those are the things that we have to say because they need attention. But the challenge is when it comes to encouraging our children That does not come naturally. Correcting them, training them comes naturally, but not encouraging our kids. And that's why we need to work so much harder and ask the Lord to empower us, to remember, to encourage them. I don't care what you do, put it on your phone as a reminder, a particular alarm that goes off every day. When that alarm goes off, encourage my kids. Uh, You know, I mean, make up a list if it's tough for you. (laughs) And <laughs> cycle like through them, and, and encourage your children because they need it so much. Growing up is so challenging, isn't it? When you think back on uh, your childhood, boy, you need incur, You needed encouragement, and your children need encouragement. And I know that's been one of my weaknesses over time. Uh, is that sometimes I just am so much about training my kids and breaking up fights and that kind of stuff. I, I don't think as much as I should about encouraging them. Now, it's very important. Listen very carefully to me. When you encourage your kids, there's a tendency for all of us to, to be performance shame-based. That means when we encourage our kids, usually we're, our kids do something. And we say, I am so proud of you that you got that grade. I'm so proud of you that you did well. In their performance. I'm so proud of you for the way you keep your room. You know what I'm saying? So every time we we give a positive message to our kids, it's linked to performance. And friends, if you do that, and I know I've done that, what that can do over time is create an approval addict, right? So that they realize that if they want approval from people, they have to perform. Now, at the same time, uh, if you're teaching and training your kids you're going to have to correct them but you got to be careful how you do that so there's not a lot of shame involved in that you got to continue to speak grace to your children and you need to talk to them about forgiveness and how we're all not perfect and and so you got to have that side of it right so you got to hit it in the middle many times and this takes more creativity and more energy, which, again, you need to continue to ask the Spirit to fill you with. So let's say that your, your child is playing baseball, and they have a really bad game, and they know it. And uh, uh, You can just say to them, I mean, after you work through, if they, have, if they want to talk about it, you can just say, you know what, I just love watching you play baseball. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's just so fun to watch you out there and, Engaging and uh, it's fun, and or just going up to. I just love that you're my kid. I tell you, that is one of the highlights of my life, is having you as my child. That's one of the things that I'm so thankful uh, to God for. Or I love your personality. That's not necessarily performance. I just I just love who you are. I love your sense of humor. I love that. You know, so really work on that. Okay, try to, I mean, when you're going to encourage the kid one, one time a day, try to unlink it from any type of performance and, uh, so that they can know that you love them unconditionally. And, of course, that mirrors uh, God's love uh, for them. Ephesians 4:29. Now, let's talk about not shaming uh, the child. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now this is another refrigerator verse. (laughs) That's a question you always ask yourself and you ask your kids. Are we tearing each other up? Or are we building each other up? We've all heard the phrase sticks and stones uh, may break my bones, but words will never what? Hurt me. That is a lie. Uh, That uh, first appeared in 1862 in a Presbyterian English reader, and the whole idea was, of course, that if some kid is baiting you into a fight, uh, say, you can say all you want to me, but I'm still not going to, uh, you know, engage. But it really has become kind of a proverb in our culture, and it's wrong. It's wrong. I would much rather have someone throw sticks and stones at me uh, than to say, really, Painful, wounding things to me. Because I'll recover uh, from that sticks and stones experience. But I tell you what, isn't it interesting how what significant people say to you stick in your mind for a long, long time. And you'll hear that voice of your parents and you can't do that or this is who you are. And Oh, I tell you, we've got to be so careful about what we say to our children. So I just want to, if you are in any way demeaning your children by what you say to them, maybe in moments of anger, if you're calling them names, if you're giving them monikers that are not healthy, saying you're whatever type of kid, uh, if you're swearing, you need to repent of that behavior today. Today, 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 because the more you do it, uh, you can be leaving scars on the heart of your children that they're going to carry throughout their life. You've got to tell your wife. You've got to tell your kids. You've got to talk to somebody if you have an anger issue. Talk to somebody who can tell you how you can uh, receive God's power uh, to overcome that anger. And Let me just tell you, (laughs) we are all... Uh, weak parents, okay? We've all made a lot of mistakes. Maybe you're older here and you're thinking back And when you raise your children. I tell you, God's grace covers everything. And you never stop being a parent. So the point is, I mean, if you need to repent of something, repent of it, but don't continue to beat yourself up over it. That doesn't help anybody. That certainly doesn't help your kids. If you need to say something to your kids about how you treated them as a child, do that. And receive their forgiveness and then move on Uh, grandparents uh, and parents of adult children you still have an incredible amount of influence uh, in your kids lives and and don't spend all your time in guilt because that's not God's will for you you need to be forgiven and say okay God what can I do now I'm a broken sinner and I made a lot of mistakes in parenting but I want to follow your lead and guide me in how I can build into my children's lives. And there's a lot of ways, of course, uh, you uh, can do that. Proverbs 12:25. Anxiety is a man, and a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. A good word makes him glad. Here's an acronym uh, for the five love languages can't remember all five sometimes, so I came up with an acronym. Uh, you want to fill their emotional tank, so I call it TT gas. TT gas, and i want to write this down if you like to remember things like that. But time, touch, gifts, affirmation, and service, an easy way to remember these. Let's go on here. Quality time is another one. Quality time, Mark 6, 32, speaks about the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. So, as we read the Gospels, Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples. He lived with his disciples, as we live with our kids. He spent a lot lot of time talking with them, and we just have a minuscule record of Jesus Christ's life. Can you imagine if everything was written down that he said to his disciples, and many times alone that he had with them. This particular verse, John the Baptist had just been beheaded. And uh, they had just buried him. And Jesus needed some time alone with his disciples in order to help them to recover from that experience. And so And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. He knew knew that they needed time to rest, to recuperate, to grieve. And again, we need to spend that time with our kids as we disciple them. A Harvard study... Over a 10-year period was done, and they found that the number one reason for anger, rage, and hostility was a perceived inaccessibility to one or both parents. The primary reason for anger, rage, and hostility was a perceived inaccessibility to one or both parents. Your kids need you. It's been said that kids spell love T I M and if they don't get your time by being uh, asking for it that is how will they get your time by misbehaving right they'll do anything to have you pay attention to them so a child will you know misbehave in order just so that you'll look at them and speak to them obviously we don't want that to happen right we want to give them the time that they need so much And I just want to hit more one more time on the theme that I talked about last week is do not let our society, do not let other people lead your family. So many families will tell me, oh they're so busy and uh, I talk to families here in the church and outside the church and they'll tell me everything their kid is doing, all the things their kids are involved in. And I feel like telling them, hey listen (laughs) don't let the coach lead your family. Don't let the music director lead your family. Don't let the teachers lead your family. You lead your family. The only reason you guys are so busy is because you have chosen either by default or by intention to keep your family so stinking busy. All right? It's your choice. You could stop it. You could pull them out of whatever activity in order to make more time so that you could spend with them, so that you could engage with them. Or maybe you're leading your family in such a way that you're devoted to your career and you don't have time for your kids. And we justify it in a thousand different ways. Usually we just compare ourselves to other people that we know, and that is not what God wants us to do. That's His justification, right? I know this is a difficult issue, but remember, this is what I want you to remember. You are the leader of your family. And if your family is out of control, if it's too busy, then it's time to say stop like it. You know, their grades are going to go down. (laughs) Both Tom Feenert and Greg Speck said, listen, listen, it doesn't matter if your kids get straight A's. I know some of you are going, whoa. The most important thing is that they grow up in a Christ-centered home and we are letting society tell us what success is we're letting society drive our families and it's time for you especially men to lead and say hey they don't need to be involved in that they don't need to do that we need to have dinner together we need to make this a priority some of you men need to step back and and draw boundaries around your careers lead your families make time for your kids it's hard. I know it is. It's complicated. And you might be right in the middle of it. And and because of our culture and because you've gone to the default, you're right in the middle. And But start making chefs to say, hey, listen, we only have a very limited time. I mean, my kids are grown now. And, man, it just went just like that. Like, where did the time go? And I know people always used to say that to me and say, time's going pretty slow for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it goes fast. So please lead your families. Ask God to give you wisdom in that. Uh, receiving gifts is the third love language. Uh, how many quality times that's your love language, your primary love language? Okay, uh, all right. How many are receiving gifts? Receiving gifts. Okay, uh, Matthew seven eleven. Jesus Christ says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We love to give gifts to our children. I'll be honest with you, I got one out of 12 on this one. <laughs> I'm not a good gift giver. I say, Honey, take Christmas, you know. And then when they open, oh, I'm always curious what the kids get on Christmas morning. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, that's nice.
0: I am just terrible, so I'm not going to say a lot about this because I really don't have a whole lot to say. Uh, I think Stacy Potter, raise your hand against Stacy. Uh, Talk to her uh, about. And, and, and I think one of the issues here is that first of all, they don't have to be expensive gifts. It, they can just be something that, that's that's very inexpensive. Not. It's the thought that counts, not in the sense that I thought of giving you a gift. No, not like that. <laughs> you actually had to give the gift. It's the thought that you gave some type of gift. All right, but it's the time and effort. I mean, I, as you know, the gifts that your kids give you, uh, even though they're, you know, just kid gifts that they made, they're the most precious things uh, to you. And therefore, there's all kinds of gifts you can give that are very inexpensive, that show a lot of thought. Uh, but you got to give the gift. It's just not the thought. Uh, and, and this brings us to another point. If your spouse or your kids have a love language, like, for example, I, I don't think any of my family has uh, gifts as a high love language. But if they did, I would really have to work at this one. I mean, I'd have to put it on the calendar. I'd have to really put my brain to work. Okay, i got to give this gift. and was, You know what I'm saying? But if your child has a particular love language, you've got to deliver. You've got to fill that emotional tank. It might not come naturally to you. And of course, as you know, we tend to show our love language to others, and we want to receive that back. And so... Here are some different ways you can discover someone's love language. Watch their behavior. What makes them light up? When do they really seem happy? What's happening? Are you serving them? Are you affirming them? Uh, what language do you uh, do they most readily give to others? That's the key one. You know, if your child is constantly cuddling with you and all that kind of thing, uh, it's all about uh, physical touch, right? Uh, or if they just want to spend time with you all about time or if they always want you to do things for them. <laughs> That's service. Uh, so watch that. Ask them. And go through this process we're talking about. Encourage them to take the love language survey and you can take it for your smaller kids. Uh, but again, just get the conversation going so you can know how they receive love. Well let's go on to the last or next one Acts of Service Acts of Service for even the Son of Man came out to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom uh, for many. Uh, Jesus Christ came to serve. He was always serving. He was always giving himself over to people. How many have the gift of service? Okay. Or not the gift of service, but the love language is service. Yeah, I mean, when people do things uh, for you, that, mean, that means a lot uh, to you. I, I value my time very, very highly. And, and so when people take their time, to do something for me, that means a lot to me. It's like, wow, you took your time to serve me? So that's why uh my love language, that's my second love language is acts of service because when people take their time to serve me, that just really makes an impression on me. That fills my emotional love tank. So again, it seems like we're always serving our kids, right? <laughs> we're always driving them here, driving them there, uh, taking care of their needs. Uh, But if your child has that love language of service, you need to think about, okay, how can I serve them in special ways? Oh, Mom, could you do this for me? I I really would like you to pick this up and, well, that's one thing. Or uh, do a chore for them that that they they should do. Uh, Give them a ride someplace. uh, Help them to get together a party for their friends. Whatever. Whatever. There's all kinds of different ways to do this. But the idea is that you're giving your time and energy as a selfless gift uh, for acts of service. lot. final one is physical touch. Uh, physical touch. Uh, this is uh, so important in regards to uh, just something we, we forget in our society, I think, about how important it is. Jesus Christ uh, touched many people. We read in Mark one forty through 40-42, the healing of the leper. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he, made, he was made clean. So he touched a leper, an outcast in that society. Nobody would touch a leper because they're afraid of getting leprosy. But as we read through the Gospels, Jesus Christ He would spend days touching people, healing people, or bringing the children into his lap. Jesus was one who just uh, was very engaging in that way because he knew the importance of it. We also see it in Paul's life, Acts 20, when he was leaving uh, the people at Ephesus. It says, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. They accompanied him out to the ship. And we, learned to, we need to learn to be huggers, appropriate huggers. We need to learn to be huggers. Virginia Satir, uh, a very renowned family therapist, said, We need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance.
1: And we need 12
0: hugs a day for growth. <laughs> okay. Why are hugs important? Well, the nurturing touch of a hug builds trust and a sense of safety. Hugs can instantly boost oxytocin, oxytocin levels, uh, which heal feelings of loneliness and fear. Holding a hug for an extended time lists one serotonin levels, elevating mood and creating happiness. Hugging relaxes muscles. Hugs releases tension in the body. Hugs can take away pain. They soothe aches by increasing circulation into the soft tissues. This is only half of the list I found. <laughs> I mean, hugs are important. They're really, really important. So I, I tell you what. A little bit uncomfortable here, uh, but we're going to do some hug therapy, and so (laughs) I'd like you all to stand up for a second. We're going to practice this, and uh, again, I I want you to hug people within your family, or if there's a close friend around, that's cool, okay? Otherwise, just shake shake somebody's hand, okay? So let's, uh, uh, doesn't it feel good? Oh, yes. You guys look so much better, so much happier, so much more satisfied. That's a fun thing to practice, right? I mean, with your kids and your wife, just hug them. And sometimes, especially with dads, uh, it's awkward as the kids grow older uh, to hug for a lot of different reasons. Uh, But touch is so important, whether it's wrestling with the boys or tossing their hair or just touching uh, their shoulder. Because I tell you what, guys, if you do not have appropriate touch uh, with your children as they continue to grow through their teenage years, uh, the boys are never going to learn to hug. Maybe your dad never hugged you, never touched you that often, you know, pat you on the back, whatever. Uh, you're going to pass that down to your kids, and uh, they're going to struggle uh, with affection. The boys will especially struggle with showing affection uh, to their wives and uh, to their children. And for girls, as we know from studies, uh, if they're not appropriately hugged and touched, Uh, they'll look for that affection someplace else. That's a very serious uh, thing. So talk to your wife, dads, and say, how am I doing? That's really the key thing, dads. (laughs) That's what I've learned. If you really want to know what's going on and how you're doing, is talk to your wife. (laughs) Okay? They're very perceptive, okay, and very wise. All right, well, let's look at the uh, love languages again. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Again, we look at this slide, the five love languages. I encourage you, boy, this is a fun activity. It's free. doesn't take a lot of time, but go home today. Do it on your smartphone, whatever. But take this quick survey. Have everybody take it in your family and then have a group discussion about it. Uh, then also Greg Speck resources I mentioned. We're talking about parenting. And uh, I really want to encourage you uh, to take advantage of these. We only have them available uh, today. Well, that's pretty good. Lord, I want to thank you for all the wisdom you've given us in Scripture. You said, love one another. Know you're my disciples if you love one another. And certainly that starts in the family. And life is complicated, and we're imperfect, uh, and we need you. We need you to love our kids. Uh, we need your power and uh, your energy, and emotional energy uh, to do it. Lord, I pray for people here who uh, are feeling guilty for whatever reason. I pray if it's appropriate guilt that they would repent of their sins and ask for your power to change their behavior inappropriate guilt. I pray they wouldn't listen to it. And they would just take every amount of energy that you give them uh, to love their kids as they move into the future, no matter how old they might be. In Christ's name, amen. Right now, we're going to have a prayer time. And if you're new to Springbrook, let me just briefly explain the purpose of this. We are a house of prayer. We believe in prayer. The Christian life is all about dependence on Jesus Christ on a daily basis, realizing how much we need Him. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song together, but we would love to have you come forward. In fact, if those who are going to be praying could come forward at this time. Uh, and, you know, today I want to take a little different uh, approach to this. I would like uh, for those of you to come forward uh, to think about what can you rejoice today? The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. What are you rejoicing about? Why don't you come up and tell us and and express your thanksgiving to God. God wants us to tell other people about what He's doing in our lives so that He might be glorified. So come up and say, God's doing this wonderful thing or God did this wonderful thing and we'll just pray with you and thank you for that. Now certainly, if you have other issues uh, that you'd like us to pray for, uh, we'd love to pray for you for that. But I really would like to encourage you to come forward. Uh, And tell us what you're thankful for, what you're rejoicing for, and let's obey that command. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's give God the glory for what he's doing in your life and my life. Why don't you stand together and come forward as you feel like.
1: i mm-hmm. you. for me.
0: Shared with me that her granddaughter uh, had a baby, or is pregnant—that is, after seven years of crying. And That's just beautiful to rejoice about, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, wonderful to rejoice together. Thank you, prayer team. We get our rushers come forward this time as we pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all the blessings uh, that you do give us, and help us never to forget to rejoice what you do for us. And Lord, as we give you our gifts today, we want to rejoice at how good you are to us, how faithful you are to us, how you continue to carry us through this life as you empower us as parents, as you help us to figure out parenting in the midst of all our mistakes and (laughs) just not uh, doing things as sometimes we'd like to but you always uh, encourage us and teach us and draw us along. Thank you for your grace. In Christ's name, amen. You
1: may be seated. Or, no, remain standing. with us.